姓于的，有种你到后面山谷上去。好，我在那边等你。Yeah! One-armed boxer, and its director and star, the notorious Jimmy Wang Yu. And this time, we're joined by another Eastern Kicks contributor, Yona. I'm not going to pronounce your name very well now, am I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yona Shikrovsky. Shikrovsky. I can't really pronounce it either because I'm American. But it's. <laughs> I say Shikrovsky, but that's also Sikorsky. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're all wrong. Yeah, if we're all exactly as long as no one's embarrassing themselves, it's all okay. Yeah. <laughs> but first, well, even with one hand, we're not going to let that stop us raising a glass. <laughs> what are you drinking this episode, James? Uh, I've got two things actually. I mean, up, up in Scotland, and I was going to get uh, Buckfast, but then the supermarket only had Sonatogen tonic wine, which is an insult to tonic wine. Uh, so I have uh, like a grapefruit pale ale from Highwire, which is five point five percent. I also have a there's less le- there's less left than I thought in my bottle of Bunahaban whiskey, but you know, I'll be making a dent in that as well. So a bit of the wacky water, you know. And yourself? So um, I have uh, a little bit different this time. Uh, yeah. I've got an Abbey Ale, a proper a proper oh. uh, Belgian Abbey Ale, Very Saint nice. Bernardus. Pater six, and that's six point seven percent. Oh, very nice, very solid. And Yona, have you uh, got anything? Um, I can't handle alcohol at all, so I'm drinking a barley tea. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, barley, yeah. barley's part of the way, I guess. Almost there, exactly. Chang is dead. Lee is dead. Both of them murdered. The Hook Gang was behind all this. We'll find Chow Lao Lu and get our revenge! I'm here! You've always claimed Chinese boxing is so good. Today we'll see how good it is against other martial arts. Chi Ku Dalung. From Thailand, boxers Nai Chai and Mi Sao. Judo expert Kao Chao. Taekwondo expert Chin Chi Yong. Tibetan Lamas Cho Lung. And Cho Fu. So let's get on to the main attraction, which is the new release of One Armed Boxer. Um, I think let's we start with uh, Yana, if you can give us a little a synopsis. Um, well, without getting into its context or its significance, uh, One Armed Boxer is essentially a top student, as per usual. Um, he gets into a feud with a gang that sells heroin and beats them up pretty badly. <laughs> the gang that sells heroin finds a gang that runs a prostitution ring and gets them to come back and beat up, I think, him and his master. <laughs> everyone, um, I think. It's, everyone. A, it's a whole bunch of them, unfortunately. <laughs> and at, either at this point or after getting beat up again, they come back with, I think for the first time ever, this kind of international martial artist group that includes 
judo expert, some karate experts, even like a yoga expert, which I didn't mm. realize was a martial art. I'm not remembering. I think some other martial artists, but it was just this whole. Say, yeah, some taekwondo or Muay Thai in there as well. Yeah, they're all there basically. <laughs> the important one are the Japanese ones mm-hmm. because those are the ones that they really want to beat. Yeah, for political reasons. Um, and so they managed <laughs> to get Jimmy down and get one of his arms cut off. Just chop it off. With, yeah. with their yeah. fists, it's, uh, you know, rather than <laughs> blade it. <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic fun, isn't it? I mean, it's oh, just yeah, so many yeah. kind of crazy kind of um, <laughs> tactics that, in here. I mean, how, how much can I say without giving things away? I don't. I don't think it's really a spoilery affair, oh, to be okay. honest with yeah. you. I think you know, the I... best part is where, after he loses his arm, there's like a way to make his arm super powerful, and it's by mm. destroying all the nerves inside it. <laughs> and he like burns it. <laughs> yeah. And then he what becomes the crippled. Uh, so he. he <laughs> So yeah, so he he has the there's a herb treatment he can take called the crippled fist. But in order to do that, yeah, he has to burn all the nerve endings in his hand. So yeah, he he destroys his one good hand, which is just crazy. <laughs> but to make it the most powerful hand ever, mm. and then with this one hand, beats up every like <laughs> destroys everyone. No, but that was my favorite part. It was it wasn't just the simplest training. You needed to destroy the arm first. You know, when you get a bit of a. a a bit of a montage, you know, the kind of classic fade out to a montage when he's doing some of the training. But before that, when he's recovering, he has a weird photo montage. Like they filmed some stuff and just thought, ah, I can't to put that in. He's getting better. He's got, a, you know, this, this young lady has found him and they're starting to get on very well. Um, I think one of my favourite scenes, and I think that it's done with a real bit of tongue in cheek, but, you know, um, he's... He's there, he's been training on this kind of weird stone pulley contraption and um, the, the, this new lady in his life is like, you know, she's, um, yeah, just how strong are you going to be with one hand? And he goes, look! <laughs> <laughs> destroys this little pavilion. He's like, you've destroyed this destroyed pavilion, what am I supposed to do now? That's all right, I'll put it back up in a couple of days. <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 it is a lot of fun, this film, in terms of what we're seeing I think we, we, we'll maybe we kind of talk about the film and, and, and some of the other kind of devices that's got in it before we kind of put it more in context both with Jimmy Wang Yu and also with Kung Fu films of the early 70s yeah because this is, is still actually quite an early example of of, of this genre really mm. it's it's grown out of uh, of the wuxia films and the idea of it, it you know it actually kind of being physical rather than swords that, mm. that people are using um, but it's actually I mean, I don't know you, you really kind of say too much about the script, but actually in terms of direction, I mean, it was uh, Jimmy Wang who had done The Chinese Boxer before um, when he was still with the Shaw Brothers. Yeah. Um, and this was him moving to, uh, like a lot of other people, moving to um, Golden Harvest to work with um, Raymond Chow. Uh, although, interestingly, this one's filmed in Taiwan. So you're not quite seeing the same regulars that you both see in Shaw Brothers and all, all the ones that moved along and, and yeah. started to, moving to uh, Golden Harvest. But the martial arts the direction, um, it's a guy called Chen Shi Wei, uh, who also worked on things like A City Called Dragon, which is a Taiwanese film from, you know, was coming out of there. And it's interesting, Golden Harvest in those early days was still take, was taking advantage of some of the, the burgeoning Taiwanese wuxia mm. and kung fu scene. And that guy was also a, one of the actors, one of the many actors in The Touch of Zen, King Who's Touch of okay. Zen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, 
it's, it's, what's quite interesting is that it's it is still setting out that stall of, on what kung fu movies should be. You know, so Run Run Shaw was was uh, quoted as saying that one armed swordsman, one of Jimmy Wang's many other one armed um, uh, appearances, uh, was the first kung fu movie, and I think that's I think that's quite true because it's mm. it's this. It's, You've got several ideas that we and we've seen quite a few of them in here, but you know the, the idea that that somebody's um, martial art in order to beat somebody else's martial art, they might have to do something that's a bit different, mm-hmm. that's not quite the learned martial art. And I guess there's an implication there that all these martial arts actually are very different, are actually all very equal. Mm-hmm. But there you've got to explore that. Yeah, I mean, in, in all these cases, it it kind of comes down to to Jimmy Wang Yu being. Um, made disabled by having by losing an arm, um, but you know it is it does it, it is this kind of settling in of this idea I think you know that that there's that you do need something different to just bring you on to being able to defeat your your opponent, and then on top of that, I think this is one of the first examples of a real what you kind of loosely kind of call a tournament film where mm. somebody is fighting people with other styles of Mm-hmm. of kung fu and you see this kind of done time and time again um you know right into you know so you, you see it kind of done very kind of straightly in a sense with the sort of martial art films and mm-hmm. uh, you know and all the kind of the western Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> you know it's actual kind of literal tournament films of the 70s and 80s but you know into the kind of more stylized version of Duel to the Death which is mm. Actually, largely not a massively different story because the bad guy is a, a Japanese guy, but other people are being killed off from different yeah. martial arts uh, styles. You know, and it is through all these kind of, I guess you'd call them mercenaries, they are dealt with in a really kind of cultural stereotype kind of way, aren't they? <laughs> they, they yeah, they, they definitely are. And I, I mean, we can, you know, talking a bit about the context of it, I mean, after he you know, sort of broken his contract with Shaw Brothers, you know, that's pretty much then getting blacklisted from working in Hong Kong at that time. You couldn't really do anything there. So probably didn't have access to a lot of the same people he was working with. And, mm. and the Taiwan scene was more, uh, you know, more international kind of in that respect. So I, it's probably like a mix. It's, it's probably like a whole reason, a bunch of different reasons why the film turned out like that uh, with these kind of different sort of foreign fighters. You know, sort of growing out of this idea of like pitting, you know, like you say, like taking like different martial arts styles and putting them against each other directly. I love, which... I love the way. I mean, just to, to digress a bit, you know, I love the way that the <laughs> Taekwondo expert, yeah, Korean, just bites off the top of the bottle <laughs> and starts drinking it. <laughs> no, no, uh, no racial stereotype there about. But Koreans and I think that's where, it, it, you know, I, I think you know when you call this a kung fu film, I mean, it, it's just like a just thinking about the words like a, you know i think i always think a kung fu film and a martial arts film seem different just you know just how i understand mm. them myself i mean kung fu film is like this kind of film it's a lot more schlocky whereas you know the the shaw brothers ones in well at this period were still pretty formal you mm. know they, they were a lot more i'm not gonna i don't mean delicate uh, but they were a lot more uh you know designed and put together the choreography was more formal and this one was a lot more just crazy all over the place. I mean, not as crazy as the sequel, but it was still, you which, know, which is yeah, uh, known as I mean, <laughs> one arm boxer two, but also the master of the flying guillotine. And, which and yeah, that's which is how I knew. I, I didn't realize yeah. that it has another couple of names as well. And yeah. I, I saw that one first, uh, master of yeah, the flying guillotine, which I think so, a lot because I got confused because you had the Shaw Brothers one. 
the Flying Guillotines, mm. which was in about 75. Yeah, and then Master of the Flying Guillotine yeah. came like, almost immediately after that. Mm. <laughs> Basically taking the same plot as uh, as this one here as Boxer, but then just throwing in the guillotines and stuff to it and making and ramping up the insanity for it. Yeah. So I think And it is insane. The there is one. insane. There is the whole kind of um there's the the whole thing where some of the, the, the fighters, the uh, lamas come in and they do Qigong <laughs> yeah. and just seem to massively inflate themselves and so they're mm-hmm. almost indestructible. Um, I Jimmy actually Wang haven't is... I haven't seen the the flying master of the flying guillotines and I was going to oh, ask you, you guys because that's the that's the big one that's one of Tarantino's favorite films that's right yeah. it is crazy and and I will say it's definitely worth watching oh um, for sure I, 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 I mean it kind of takes the craziness of this I think it's actually kind of a weirdly more balanced film plot line I'm very yeah. surprised by you know this one plays that very kind of classic thing where you know basically the whole school uh, again, we might be spoiling. Well, we're not really spoiling your fun here, but you know the entire school that Jimmy Wang uh, is part of gets annihilated. Yeah. Um, whereas in that one, it's this very unusual thing. Where it's like, oh no, 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 no. You, all you kids, go home. This is a fight for me. You know, just to protect them. And maybe it's actually in some way that actually makes it in the same way that Return of the One Armed Swordsman is mm-hmm. much more of a direct sequel than yeah. you you might expect from a lot of home film films where, you know. Often we're we're quite used to seeing shockwave, shockwave two, Hong Kong destruction. Ah, or <laughs> why, are even, why are you even mentioning such? But um, you know, Bond films were yeah. overheard, overheard yeah. too, over, but they have absolutely no connection at all. You know, yes. not even yeah. a vague one. Yeah, it actually uses kind of a, a weird growth in the in the character's psyche. That's that's quite unusual. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, first time I've heard it put like that, but sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he uh, even Jimmy Wang himself in this does this great thing where uh, if anybody knocks him down, he just springs back up <laughs> like he's on a being real. It's, it's some really interesting stuff, um, and it and is this kind of you know, as you say, the Shaw Brothers stuff was was particularly at that stage. The Chang Chae mm. films were you know had a little bit more of a kind of authentic historical background and, well, and we're beginning to get loosely loosely yeah um in terms of the choreography kind of, at least yeah but then by the mid 70s they were following yeah they, they, absolutely. Sort of a year or two they were absolutely following this kind of style yeah, yeah the, absolutely the madness but this one I, I think this was one of the times as well like when i you know when you re-watch like a one-arm boxer again it's surprising how early it, it is it feels like it should be like in mid to late 70s you know, yeah. rather than early seventies, because everything feels, it, you know, it's it's just like such, it's like an over exaggerated version of a Shaw Brothers film mm. at the time. And as you say, like that that style did start coming to the Shaw Brothers, and even crazier, obviously, in the early eighties, especially when they're doing more sort of mixtures of like horror, just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. But for this one, for this one here, um, it just it, it just feels a lot more both kind of like down and dirty, uh, you know, in a good way, but also like mm. a lot more kinetic. Uh, than Definitely. those short brother types ones and everything. Even if it's just down to like the mad zooms and everything like that, it's got so much of the stuff we associate with sort of nineteen seventies grindhouse kung fu mm. uh, and the kind of stuff we'd have probably seen first. Or certainly for me, I saw this kind of stuff before. I saw most of the Shaw Brothers stuff properly. Um, and it's. I mean, I, I don't like saying stuff like the Shaw Brothers stuff feels more formal or stuffy because they're still you know really entertaining and enjoyable films when appeared. But this one feels a lot more like that kind of grindhouse kung fu genre. Which you know a lot of Western fans probably got into first, uh, attracted by this kind of crazier, crazierness. You know, there's not like 
all the details of like warring clans and different things you had kind of have to be aware of and stuff. It's just a bunch of stereotypes yeah. sort of go, going crazy against each other, <laughs> against a sort of vague, a vaguely up. tied together platform, and you know, I, which is which is still great. I, I think it's the film still holds up today on that sort of pure entertainment level as well. I think one thing I did find distracting, and uh, the new Eureka release comes with two different. Uh, Mandarin audio ah, yes, and yeah. an English dub but the one that they, they've labelled as the main one and it's just, it just does create quite an interesting thing is mm. is actually it, it really kind of took me out of, of watching it but it, as the main theme and, and they keep repeating it they use the theme from Shaft yes, I'm yes, 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 it yes, wasn't God. officially licensed for Isaac Hayes I totally forgotten um, about that as well that's, that's crazy it's just there it's not even it's not even I don't know. Just the bare facedness of it just shocks me. Watching it, it's just it's just used. It's not even like redone or anything. It's just there. But it's interesting because that's not on the on the English language though. But it, it, from my point of view, I think it's quite interesting because there is this synergy between um, black audiences and watching kung fu films, particularly sort of in a, in a well, it starts in the early seventies, mm-hmm. and you know, this is kind of actually doing it before that's you know starting. It's almost kind of really kind of a precursor to this kind of idea yeah. that, that you know there is this conversation going on between you know these these you know really quite low budget mm. black exploitation films yeah coming into kung fu films and then those actually being picked up by the black communities in yes in yeah. america and the 42nd street kind mm, of mm. cinemas and you know in the uk and uh in the west indies massive massive popularity for kung fu films yeah <laughs> But I did just kind of hearing it. I'm suddenly, you know, whoa, hang on. <laughs> there's some James Bond in there and stuff as well. There's, Always there's James Bond. I think this has some cues um, from uh, the Diamonds Are Forever. Was it Diamonds Are Forever? I thought it was uh, You Only Live Twice. Could be both, or it could be mangled yeah. together. That's it could I'm be mangled sure. together, which is they, they quite often do. The favourite one, and it was in a lot of both Golden Harvest and Shaw Brothers films. They the the one I always hear is lots of. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, <laughs> which is fair enough, it is the best Bond soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it's got the best true. theme tune. It's got the best. It's got the best theme tune, but it's got the best Bond backing track as well. That's one of the best Bond films in general. But yeah. you know, yes. there you go. <laughs> Good old Laser B, underappreciated. I, oh yes, uh, Stoner, of course. Yeah. You know, the, the one, one, still one of my favorite Hong Kong films of that period. He's fantastic in Stoner with Angela Mao and everything. It's a great film. Should be it should be more wide, widely seen. I'm surprised it doesn't have as much of a cult appeal as it probably should. Um, and but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we could do a podcast on George Lazenby's adventures in Hong Kong. Couldn't we? Yeah, quite controversial. <laughs> but I, I guess kind of putting it in context, it, it is quite mm. interesting in terms of the the times of this stuff and and how the the genre is growing over what is about two or three years really. You know, yeah. so from the Chinese boxer, which he wrote and directed for Shaw Brothers. Come on. 
I guess now we kind of get on to talking about Jim Wang Yu, or you know, mm. the the you know, you could kind of say that the man who would should have been Bruce Lee, really, <laughs> you know, because he was there before him. He was creating this martial yeah. arts style. He was directing his films. You know, mm. Chinese Boxer was at the end of ni- released originally released at the end of nineteen seventy. The Big Boss and The Fist of Fury were the end of seventy one and the beginning of seventy two, respectively. Mm-hmm. This was released in 1972 mm-hmm. the other film that's always uh, as being the, the film that really introduced american audiences to proper kung fu movies which is king boxer aka mm. five fingers of death yeah. Um, yeah which is another absolute classic kung fu film <laughs> but, but with a, a korean director i think that the reason that is that is stated even though it was actually released dates a, a little bit later is because it was dubbed and backed by warner brothers mm-hmm so then some of these films kind of get their US and, you know, even, I think, actually Big Boss got released in the UK before it got in, uh, in the US. But oh, really? Okay. Jimmy Wang was, was, was there before, you know? He, yeah. was, he was he was the guy who, who should have been, you know? But I, I, you're to- definitely right, though. I mean, and so much, I guess for someone like, uh, for Jimmy Wang, you, I mean, he put in so much of the, even just the groundwork in terms of, like, how these films were getting made and stuff, like with him as the director, sometimes the writer, you know, producer and stuff like that, and then to be overshadowed in those kind of ways and everything, it's really, you know, it's really a shame, especially since he's got such a huge body of work behind him, and, you know, he was one of the highest paid actors at the time before Bruce Lee, so, yeah, he it's a shame that he was overshadowed in, in that way, kind of moving forwards, and I guess that's why, you know, so many, we always end up saying the youngsters and stuff and everything, or people who are maybe not, you know, big martial arts or kung fu fans don't really know of him. In that respect, which is a shame. No, I, I never heard. Yeah. Of, I never had heard of him before my interview, and I, and I honestly think <laughs> what what happened was Bruce Lee. I don't think anything happened to his career or yeah or during production. I think Bruce Lee came along, and nobody was interested in watching Jimmy Wang Yu anymore. Exactly. I think his I think his Shaw Brothers thing was a big deal, though. Um, yeah, you know, breaking the contract. It's one of those things I've read. I don't know the full circumstances of, but I read some bits and pieces, and breaking a contract with the Shaw Brothers was like. You know, kind of career suicide-ish at that time. So then having to move, that's why he went back, went back to Taiwan to mm. to make the films with these crews and stuff like that. So, but but wasn't Bruce was never with the Shaw Brothers either, was he? He was with Golden Harvest from the start. Yeah, he, they, he was, they courted him. They courted yeah, him. He, he was, yeah, and they got really yeah. annoyed about that, didn't they? The Shaw Brothers. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he he was never with Shaw Brothers and stuff. And, and you know, as we went through the, obviously in the seventies to the eighties, we we saw you know Golden Harvest and others coming to prominence over the Shaw Brothers anyway. So mm. uh, if whatever was happening behind the scenes in that kind of early 70s period, because there, there were a few others who broke with the Shaw Brothers or who expressed dissatisfaction with them as well. But, I mean, Jimmy, when you still managed to keep making films, um, you know, some of them were kind of much of a muchness and stuff, or, you know, or, or the ones I've seen, because a lot of them just aren't, you know, aren't available. But he was still churning out loads of films uh, well, he, after yeah. that. He did the one with Brian Trenchard-Smith. Oh, he, the, um yeah. The Man yeah, from Hong, Hong Kong? Kong? Yes, yeah. that's right. So he, he had, yeah, so he had a few standout ones which still got released either internationally or, you know, which still were, you know, fairly high profile films. But he still seems to be making like lots of films a year, some of which weren't, you know, necessarily getting big releases. But I think for a lot of others who did that kind of broke with the Shaw brothers or refused to work with them, they didn't, you know, their careers just <laughs> went and that was kind of the end for them. So, um, and he, you know, he always had a reputation for being a bit troublesome and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> well, I think, I think Yona, you can tell us yeah. a bit about that, having yes. having spoken to the man in person. 
What do you mean about his personal life? Yeah, about, well, well, about just him, in, just in yeah. general. What kind yeah. of man um, was oh, he? Tell, so, tell us of him. Yes. Well, <laughs> what, what the, the two most interesting things, or the two available things about his, his biography, is mm. that he was a swimming champion in Hong Kong. Okay. And a race car driver. Ooh, okay. Both of which I question if they're actually true. But, um, <laughs> and then suddenly, before even getting a small acting role, he was a star of a film. Mm. I, I'm not even sure if he ever did an acting role before, before starring in One-Armed Swordsman. There were a few. Yeah, he'd there been, in a, he'd been the, in a few things, but I don't know. If there I'm... was also, I mean, wasn't there like the early, the early Lost film? Oh yeah, true. Uh, he did. He did actually Kurt, one of those Curtison type things or whatever. Yeah. There was there was one called something like Tiger Boy, I think, that was a Chang Chay, another film with Chang Chay that that sort of basically has disappeared, and I think it's been discussed whether it actually existed or not. It was just a yeah. But I, no, I, I do remember reading it was sort of unprecedented for someone to get a leading role with Jimmy with Jimmy's experience, mm. and then from there to to consecutively star into three highest grossing movies in Hong Kong's history um, and then to drop off the map surprised me is is in the in the few days going up to the interview jimmy wing he, he does not look like an action star mm. whatsoever he's a, a lanky kind of baby-faced guy <laughs> who who looks very sweet and tries to like look angry and menacing in the films and it doesn't always work yeah. um i remember meeting him and that was a, a couple years after his stroke so even then he was even more frail and, and gentle voiced but all he wanted to talk about were street brawls and yes. like being a street fighter and <laughs> how everyone was scared of him um <laughs> it really i think it works for the films as well because there's there's this innate compensation in his characters like he looks so sweet but he can kill you kind of thing <laughs> um and then i think i'm not really sure and that's kind of why i asked you guys why he dropped off the map but it was almost exactly with um enter the dragon coming onto the scene Mm. and Bruce Lee coming onto the scene and, and Kung Fu becoming a global phenomenon. And people don't realize that all of the tropes, so to speak, or most of the tropes are his. That, you yes. know, yeah. yeah. Well, the, exactly. What we took for granted in Chinese boxers being formulaic, it wasn't formulaic because nobody did it before. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and how much of that was, you know, him? Di- I mean, as you say, it's not so much he disappeared. It's more just what was becoming available to western audiences or, or i think mm. and you know both then and since i guess like so many of those films uh he you know when he still was making you know three or four films a year apart from the ones which he was directing or more of a you know a, a, a bigger role probably in the productions of so many of those films just haven't been picked up or released still or maybe floating around under some bizarre names on amazon prime where somebody's <laughs> recorded them off an old vhs or something so or worse, but, yeah. <laughs> or, or or worse, exactly. But it's it's a shame because it does sort of leave a lot of its his career in the seventies, especially kind of a bit mysterious in terms of not not necessarily saying that some of these films are going to be great, but you know it'd be, it'd be nice to have a, a chance to see them. I mean, some of them kind of filtered out, but 
uh, some of the ones were, you know, still very good. He was he was in stuff like like Beach of the War Gods. Um, oh yeah, which I, yeah, which I really yeah. Liked it was a similar well. sort of time. But then he yeah. did he split with um, Golden Harvest as well after putting out those shows. I don't, don't think he really worked too well with anyone by the sound of it. You know, he he, <laughs> he seemed to keep moving on from more and more stuff. But because uh, I. I don't know. I think he, you know, I did read that he was from like quite a rich background and stuff. So I think possibly compared to some of the other stars and stuff, he wasn't quite as tied to their systems. Like, we're probably one of the reasons with the Shaw brothers he got such a big role early on is they were operating more and more like that kind of US studio, uh, old 1930s US studio system where they, you know, they take a young star on and make it, make them kind of, this is like Shaw brothers' new face. He's going to be in like all these films, everything moving forwards. Then mm. that's probably why he he got that kind of earlier role, and also if he was from like a a privileged background, that probably didn't hurt. But maybe it just wasn't for him. Uh, and then moving forwards with other companies like Golden Harvest and stuff like that, because you know he obviously had a, a, a sort of an idea of himself, whether it's true or not. He was a brawler. Whether I've, I've read some stuff which cast some doubt on that, to be honest, uh, and it was more that was something he was, which worked very well for the films as being that kind of like a sort of street guys. Uh, working class hero type everything yeah, which again yeah. put it before like jackie chan kind of became the sort of more everyman type hero and stuff so again yeah, it, yeah. it's another thing he kind of before because <laughs> that's what it all was then for you know jackie and samuel were more like those guys who would take the hits but as you said in this film and he springs back up again you know it's not that he's the guy who never gets touched or anything um so it's i, I don't know that there's, there's so much stuff out there about his career that we just not 100% sure what exactly mm. is true or what's happened to some of these other films or everything. In terms of a split with uh, with Shaw Brothers, I, what he told me was he was watching Japanese samurai movies. Mm. Um, specifically, a guy I had never heard of um, known called Minoru Oki. Mm, don't know? Okay. And saying that when they were slicing and stabbing each other, you really thought they were. <laughs> and, and Shaw Brothers was stuck in this kind of peaking opera style yeah, where okay. people would yeah. slash their swords and, and nobody would get hurt. Mm, mm. And, and he kind of wanted to do this thing where if he was punching someone, it looked like they were getting punched. And I think to a degree he did that. I think it's interesting you bring that up because that's one thing that that's really I did notice on the soundtrack, uh, apart from the Shaw thing, <laughs> is that it really there is a lot of, you know, it, the, the fights are very bloody. Yeah, and you really kind of use this sort of bone crunching sound effects. Which again, it's, it's really quite early, you know. Rather than just you know the whole kind of big, you know, you get that kind of thunderous kind of whack, but you've got kind of real crunching sound effects. Particularly when you know some of the bad guys are really kind of laying into some of the, True. you know, the poor the, the other martial arts school, <laughs> martial arts school. And one thing I found was interesting. There's a side point for that as well. You know, kind of um, talk about it from is, is that this sort of connection between the martial arts connections to sort of local industry so yes mm -hmm. the bad guys are, are running whorehouses and um you know running all the opium um yeah and they're involved in brick making and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just I, I don't i don't think i've ever i mean it, it does actually make a kind of sense but i've never seen that in a, in a martial arts yeah. you know in, in a kung fu film that that the, the, the school is actually connected to local commerce <laughs> that's quite nice actually it's a, it's a nice touch yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> i think with him as well though he always seemed like um he had a bit more ambition or self-image or like as an actor um, as well, I mean, certainly some of the you know bits and pieces he did in his later career and stuff like that. He he seemed to be 
you know, putting himself as an actor. And he he did he did get a couple of nominations for stuff. I mean, he's still like I mean, is he is he technically retired now, or what's the? He he's been in a hospital bed for five years. Yeah. So and he, he got out the other day. I think. Okay. Mm. Fair enough. But, but he, he did. So watch what you say. Twenty twelve, third. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did a movie or two. Like twenty thirteen was his last film. I actually saw that one. Yeah. Was that Soul? Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Soul. yeah, yeah. You know, and a couple of years before then, I mean, was a he was in uh, Wuxia, but, oh, yes. aka yeah. Dragon, yeah. yeah. and he was, yeah. you know, and he was absolutely great in there because it was yeah. making massive references to mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. um, and also Let's Go. Oh, he was in mm-hmm. Ah. Okay, no, no, that one. Excellent. Uh, but that that's that would have been for like for pure love of the game I guess for yeah. for Wong Chung Po yeah. and uh, um, Juno Mac putting him in there, but he was he and was similarly in also in the guillotines as well. So let me, oh yeah, that's right. I wasn't didn't love that, but um, yeah, he, he, you know he he has shown in his, in his later career, unfortunately, not doing as much stuff, obviously, but mm. he's shown that he was a good actor, and, and I think in some of these some of the ones I've seen, the other ones, he was trying to. Not get out of some of the usual characters, but he seemed to be act, trying to act a bit more as well. I mean, maybe because you know, as a martial artist, uh, is it correct that he was he wasn't like a martial artist or picking up or anything by background, right? So. He was a swimmer. As, no, no, but but he did make a, like a, a very intense point during the interview to say that he's okay. been doing Shaolin Kung Fu since he was four. Oh, okay, fair enough. Then I, I didn't I didn't realize I'd read that he wasn't a martial artist, and that's why he. He was kind of putting the image of himself being a brawler out there, but he, he, I think it's pretty clear that there's a bunch of different stories kind of floating around. I mean, which... he went on trial for murder in 1981. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And nobody so... knows anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're basically painting a, a sort of a, an interesting picture with like conflicting, conflicting stories and large gaps in the career. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. It is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he is fascinating. He even he, another director before he became a big name. He mm. he had an affair with another director's wife, <laughs> who then hung himself. Oh, so he's got this. You know, he might not be a brawler, but he has a couple. He's caught about a couple bodies, I'd say. <laughs> oh, libelous, libelous! The Eastern Kicks podcast goes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. <laughs> Very, definitely a very interesting career for him, and I think I think we're going to see more of these films, uh, not necessarily just his ones, but more of these sort of more, the more kind of grindhousey ones. Uh, yeah. I hope I hope coming back and getting released properly. I mean, certainly certainly for me, like a lot of times when I've seen these ones, I, you know, saying that I love um, Master of the Flying Guillotine, the version that I've seen it in, over you know, dubbed back in the day and. Was it cut? Almost certainly. You know, I, I'd like to see these ones, all these ones, properly, and that's it's great to see this. This you know, one arm boxer getting a proper release in that respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's never going to be, you know, you're never going to get it sort of uh, exhaustive releases or perfect ones for them. But it is great to see, you know, effort getting into putting these out in the best version available for people. And I yeah. do hope that I, I would be interested to see what going back to saying again, the younger, you know, the younger fans and stuff make of this kind of stuff. Because we, I guess, as well, like even when. You know, we've mentioned like you know, sort of Tarantino speaking of his love for the. I mean, he spouts off on pretty much loving everything anyway. But <laughs> but you know, he he has said quite a lot about like Master of the Flying Guillotine and stuff, and you can certainly see in the Kill Bill films like a big influence, uh, you know, from this from One Arm Boxer and you know Master of Flying Guillotine, and I I'm just would be interested to see 
what exactly the audience demographic for these older 70s kung fu martial arts films is is for that i mean it would be great to to think they're getting handed on because there isn't really a modern equivalent for this kind of stuff yeah yeah Which there's is, homage there's plenty of homage but not kind of the same formula at all no no yeah. for sure and will there be then in like 20 in 20 years when people like tarantino I don't know if he shuffled off the mortal coil or, well, you know, but you know what I mean though. Like for for other for younger directors who are moving in and stuff, like whether you know, I we're already not even seeing that many martial arts films being made. I mean, stuff like we get the occasional one like the Raid or yeah, the Ip Man series. Well, the Ip Man series is more tied into Chinese market and everything, but it's it, we we don't have any equivalent to what the martial arts and kung fu scene was back in there. So. Mm. whether or not we're going to see another Jimmy Wang Yu, another Bruce Lee, it's pretty unlikely, you know, to be honest. I mean, we had Wu Jing for a while, but then he, you know, went pa- very patriotic. <laughs> <laughs> Choosing words carefully. Um, but you know, you know what I mean, though? This scene just doesn't exist anymore. And so, yeah. you know, for other genres like horror or even like, you know, police action, you know, cop thrillers and stuff, you can see why they can keep coming back and everything. But... Martial arts, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't you think yeah. you, you, you kind of need that post-colonial undertone, though? Of, oh. like, the Japanese fighters coming in and getting beat up by the... <sighs> wouldn't we need our own version of that kind of metaphor? I mean, we, we still see that. I mean, again, like, the Ip Man films, obviously. You yeah. Know, but from a very nationalistic point of view, which is, you know, fair enough. But you could still... I mean, no one would really care if they... <laughs> probably have to be the... What the CCP is the enemy star? <laughs> you know, it would probably have to be them, like some martial arts school in Hong Kong, getting raided by the CCP. Yeah, we need a modern version. I think we need, we need those undertones. We need you need something, but that, and that's the thing. Like this film industry just doesn't exist anymore, and we get the occasional like really good nod, you know, throwbacks or stuff like Gallants or things like that. You know, from which is still a while ago, which show that massive love for the genre and stuff. But that's going to run out because you know, those directors get older and there probably isn't such a, a, you know, a generation of other directors who want to make martial arts films. Um, and it's it's interesting, do you see a few, I mean, we've started to see a few in different territories, so there's been yeah, a, sort of, yeah. a bit of an Indonesian thing that's mm-hmm. sort of, uh, kind of rolling along at the moment, you know, before then there was, you know, kind of going back to the, the, to the mid-2000s and we had, yeah. On back and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you if, if it's a really small country a smaller industry rather than um you just don't have the momentum to sustain too many releases for stuff mm. uh, and you know the the international market is more it's been such an absence of kung fu and martial arts films for such a while and stuff people are more used to what you call tradi- i guess like traditional action films which still have you know speaking of the mainland market or the hong kong market you'll still see like a, a bit of fisticuffs in the martial arts style but nothing to enough to call them a martial arts film and it's been so long without having, you know, whether it's this classic tournament, the training montage, you know, the young fella who has to, you know, swear revenge and get get over the murder of his sifu and stuff like. It, I don't know. I I hope it'll come back. It's just compared to other genres where it's going cycles. This one, like proper martial arts and kung fu, seems to be at a dead end. Mm. You know, I I just maybe, don't. Maybe out of the superhero genre. I mean, maybe, but it's. Unlikely. <laughs> it's still Unlikely. something different. I mean, yeah. so that's that. The, yeah. There's the new, there's the Indonesian version of the. Uh, oh, I can't remember yeah. the name of the the name of the the universe, but they're basically doing. Yes, that's right. 
the uh, same thing, Joko Anwar and all of those mm-hmm. other filmmakers are, are making the, the same kind of Marvel universe with Indonesian yeah. superheroes. But that yeah. is, that is again, I think that's something different. I think the I reason think so, yeah. these Kung Fu movies kind of worked was because they were relatively cheap. Yes, um, yeah. if not super cheap and that's why it kind of it, it fed into particularly the, the you know like American cinema in the, in the in the early 70s is that you know it didn't need lots of money Mm-mm-mm. thrown at it you just needed a few guys who were um, good at martial arts and, and didn't mind falling off the back of a lorry every now and then <laughs> I, th- I think the second part's the more important part of that <laughs> yeah. who didn't mind being thrown through stuff or, or there wasn't yeah. the same kind of regulation you know and it wasn't and, yeah. and, and, and I think part of that is that you know it's still one of those things that, that doesn't look great with CGI and definitely doesn't look Absolutely. good with very cheap CGI yeah. and, and that, that again is another step towards getting that same level of yeah, the skills just disappear then. Yeah. If nobody's doing this kind of either the real stunts or the wire work and stuff, then you just lose that. And anyway, as we said, you know, there is it's both these films being really cheap, but you could shoot them back to back because it was the same crew working on yeah. you know, the same thing, and you get together. Okay, we'll make a few of these films in a few months, and you know, it's fine. We'll sleep in our cars. You know, <laughs> it was such an intensive, but. I suppose creative is kind of the wrong word because so much of them are basically the same plot in the film. But, but it was, it, Especially with Jimmy Wang Yu. Well, very much, man. Very, very true. But I just don't think we'll ever see the likes of that coming again. And Maybe if Chechnya put out some, that would be incredible. I'd be, intre- I'd be interested to see. I mean, any it's kind the of like, fighters at the moment. Uh, is that all like, like that MMA business and that stuff? Or what? Yeah, they're, 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 they're releasing unbelievable specimens just in terms of MMA. <laughs> you, so sound, you sound like a mad scientist now. <laughs> unbelievable specimens being unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps there's the new wave. <laughs> I'd be worried, no, but I think, absolutely, I think probably like every country um, should at least have one, you know, yeah. go to a fight, fight flick. I mean, I can personally maybe look at by doing the Scottish one. Which is just <laughs> bottling people. Well, well, Gangs of London actually it was it was oh, Gareth yeah, Evans yeah. and that's that close. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know. It's. I really hope we'll see more of the more of this again. But I, I guess that's part of the appeal as well for these films that one man boxer. It's it's kind of hard not to watch these films and. It's not that we enjoy them for nostalgia because they're they're incredibly entertaining anyway. But mm. I think there is kind of a sense of like. Yeah, that's not going to come again. Even like just the stealing of the shafts soundtrack and everything. <laughs> Those days aren't going to come again. Or like the, the early days of, you know, 80, actually all of the days of Hong Kong horror, like stealing like John Carpenter and Ennio Morricone stuff and everything. Those <laughs> days are not going to come again. Everything else, yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. So it's, it's genuinely kind of a bygone era for this kind of stuff, which is where part of the appeal is. But then we'll run out of older titles to release at some point, you know. There's quite a few out there, though. Yeah. We'll run out of good titles to re-release at some point. <laughs> so if you want to catch a bit of Jimmy Wang Yu now, you can find one on Boxer on UK Blu-ray from Eureka Entertainment as part of their Eureka Classics range. <laughs>
And now we're on to Eastern Kicks picks. And James, what have you found for us? I've I've got a bumper crop of stuff, man. It's, it, you know, whether this is still be you know with more and more folks watching stuff or you know not enough content being made, but there's there's been so much added like over the last month. Um, some really interesting stuff as well, actually. I mean, we've been talking about Soul, but we've also got The Soul, which has been added now as well. Which is supposed to be pretty good. It's like an occult. Uh, it's on the Netflix, and it's like an occult sci-fi murder mystery love story uh, from the fellow who did the tag along one and two. Chung Wei Hao. He didn't do Devilfish. Oh, part really? three. So, so it's, it's not. It's Devilfish, the best one. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but on the basis of the name, it's the best one. Yeah. Especially if there's no fish in it. I don't know. It just it seems like a nice jump from like creepy girl to Devilfish. <laughs> they should just do. It was a shame if it was in Guangzhou then, or Hong Kong. The Devilfish would have just been caught eaten within a day. It would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> but that, a bit tangy. Exactly. Yeah. Poor, poor Devilfish. Where's the Where's the next one? <laughs> but that, that's one of the ones highest on my list to watch and um, I don't usually mention TV shows but the, the Thai one the, the Girl from Nowhere uh, the second series is on there now and I've been watching the first series it's really good surprisingly it's, it's like a it's more of an anthology one it's kind of like Tommy S style you, you know um, mm-hmm. some it's not a spoiler because you, you see in the first very early in the first episode of some sort of demon who's like a schoolgirl who just goes to different schools and exposes like evil hypocrisy and stuff and it's surprisingly yeah. strong in terms of content and because it's an anthology the, the episodes don't lead into each other or anything so that that's that's on netflix as well which is very good uh it's definitely one of the best thai things i've seen for a while talking about taiwan stuff we we have another one in the the gatao series which is this one's called the last stray which is a gangster series i see i saw the first one which is pretty good didn't see the second one but they're quite high i, I quite did see high this. Pre- yeah, they're quite high production values, right? I mean, yeah, if, yeah. The, the Taiwan gangster stuff—they're usually still quite polite. I find this like, is the thing: is is the the trouble with and you know, <laughs> I don't want to cast any expressions, but they're not massively convincing in terms of in the yeah. same way that you'd find a you know Hong Kong exactly. <laughs> gangster. I, I, I mean, I'm hoping we're yeah, not or a Japanese get, gangster. We're not going to get flooded by death threats from Taiwanese gangsters, but in the films, at least, <laughs> they seem to, they seem to hang around the night markets a lot and, and everything. They, they don't do a massive amount. Well, in, in the second one, there's quite a lot of crying. So again, that's uh, okay. massively Sad gangsters. Uh, <laughs> the machismo. And I, I do remember then. when I when I went to Taiwan a few years back. I do remember our conversation with the guide, and he was saying that the. Mm. There was one uh, fractious kind of confrontation between the police and the gangsters, and okay. uh, the police in the end they just called his mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'll just leave that there. Oh, that's a shame, Jimmy. You're not naming names, so it's okay. I'm sure he's listening, and his mum's listening too, and she's probably very yeah. happy. So, yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> but that's but I was going to ask you about the next one because I believe you've seen it. Super me. From mainland, Super me. mainland China, I saw it from Chang Chong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, what, what was your thoughts on it, Andy? It's a weird one. So, what, uh, what did what what rating did you give for Eastern Kicks? You might have to look that up. It's between two and one. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was just I. It was it was trying to do too much. So it's kind mm. of uh, trying to. It mix up two genres that that really work well together. So you've got superhero mm. and special powers, mixing that with a bit of psychoanalysis. Because oh, okay. the fourth wall really... was pretty good. He, he well, this is the thing. So the, Zhang Chong. It's from the co-director of the fourth wall. Oh, and it does, he co-directed, yeah. yeah. It, it, it does do some 
actually thematically it has some similar ideas but where the fourth wall is really messing around with mm, the, mm. um super me just fell flat i think it wasn't helped by the fact that i was uh personally i didn't like the lead character i didn't find him at all sympathetic so suddenly okay. he finds out he can you know basically be a complete dick and just <laughs> get whatever he wants <laughs> just by having a bit of a dream okay. um and um uh, and he just he just did not come across particularly sympathetically. So I mean, I I know. I mean, I sometimes I just yeah, kind of switch off in, in terms of you know, no, no, I think that's liking enough, a character yeah. or not liking a character is kind of just okay. Yeah. So I don't really care what happens to you now. And, um, and then, then you look at your watch and see how long you've got to go still watching a film with a character you don't like. So yeah, exactly. And so yeah, um, yeah that was about that was about two hours. To, to Oof, okay, that's, <laughs> I was I was gonna about to say I might check it out to get a, a second review for Easy and Kicks, but now two hours no, not happening. Um, but um. I mean, it was it was it was interesting, but it just didn't work. And it was some, it's really disappointing because there were some really interesting ideas in there. Some of it, I think, the problem with with it as well was if you're doing something that is kind of vaguely a bit more superhero-y, mm-hmm. um, you need a bit more. You can't get away with oh, I'm just being a bit weird and okay, <laughs> I've just gone through the fourth wall and I've gone through the other side and I've done some weird stuff. Um, just doesn't fly as well uh it's it's just, it's just a weird combination it just didn't didn't gel for me at all no, no fair enough but it, yeah. i mean it seems to be like a film um a kind of theme which is cut co- which is coming into uh, quite a few more like mainland chinese films or you know commercial films like this i mean where you have that kind of uh, sort of blurring not if it's not a superhero then some sort of fantasy elements like uh, a writer's odyssey Mm. Which which was actually quite good. I quite enjoyed that one. You know, again, sort of writer whose fantasy world is kind of coming to life and stuff. But that was quite good. And uh, Animal World, where you know mm. they kind of flip up into fantasy, but that's a dreadful film. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that, anyway, that one I've seen. It was very poor. But um, but either way, it's interesting that that's coming in. But uh, for Japanese stuff, which is coming, I mean, Ride or Die is on Netflix now, which is more. It's a sort of lesbian murder drama psychological thriller it's a bit long but it's 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 worth very much worth watching um and it's got a very it's got an interesting director like a Ry, ryuichi uh, hiroki who's another one who started off basically making like pink and av film stuff like charming i had to look up some of the title names i know eastern kicks is family friendly but they, he did like sexual blue sexual abuse exclamation mark exposed woman and he did uh s and m class accidental urination so he did a lot of, uh, <laughs> which apparently was new wave S and M with a lot of humor. But I, you know, I'll, I'll probably not be reviewing that one for Eastern Kicks. Uh, but he, he did a lot of stuff about queer subjects. Apparently, so he's one of these directors, like a lot of, lot of Japanese directors. He started off in that kind of format, and moved into stuff, and he was known. For, he he sort of moved into a lot of, I, I guess what I would call like Rotterdam type fare and stuff like mm. films like Vibrator, uh, which was a really really good film. I didn't realize it was the same guy. Um, he did more mainstream stuff like Kabuchiko Love Hotel mm-hmm. and everything. So, so yeah, Ride or Die, it's, it's too long, but it's, worth, it's definitely worth checking out. And you do have the, the whole Ruroni Kenshin series coming to Netflix soon, including the new, uh, the sort of latest one in the series, which is something we may probably talk about more, more detail since it's a whole, series of, it's a whole series of surprisingly good films, actually, as well, the Ruroni Kenshin ones. But, um, yeah, yeah. Action. Yeah, yeah, live action mm. ones. Yeah, good there's, live action remakes. I know. So, so most, I, I, I completely agree. Most of those times, those ones to me are just as uh, it is what it is. But 
I, I enjoyed the Ruru the Ruruuni Kenshin. <laughs> I can't say probably if I have a bunch more drinks that will just turn into drooling. But I, I did like those films, and I'll definitely watch the new one as well on Netflix. They're, they're actually they're worth catching, and they they do lead. They are like a proper series. They do lead into each other properly as well, so they're worth catching. Um, for the randomness of Amazon, uh, as well as finding dead sushi, which is uh, oh, yeah. I love it. awesome, film. which is just, suddenly there, yeah, just suddenly there. No, I, I, I found a bunch of Korean stuff on there, which I swear wasn't there last week, but uh, the vanished <laughs> won't be there by the time this podcast comes. Well, exactly. But I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll list a few of them, like the Vanished, Ghost Sweepers, Hello Ghost, and Crazy Romance are all on there, on Prime, and I've checked them, which seems to be legit versions. Legit so, HD. Full proper ratio. Exactly, it seems legit. So no idea who's putting them up, how long they'll be there. Um, Sometimes, what one thing I've noticed since we've been doing, you know, doing these chats and stuff about what's coming up is the Amazon. Quite often, what happens seems to happen is they appear on Prime for free for a short period, like a month, mm. probably to get their ratings up, and then they go in. They switch to being like a really low rental price. Like two pounds a rent because they, you know, they get up in the rankings. And then mm. if you suddenly see them, I'm not sure how you would see them to be honest, but I, I'm searching for stuff like you know, Asian films, Korean films. The other day, I searched for Oriental films <laughs> and, I found, <laughs> and I found other stuff which wasn't, I didn't find on the other lists. So, I mean, even like oh. we, we, we were saying the other day, we found like I realized that the counterfeiter is Project Gutenberg, yeah, yeah, you, you know, and say, actually, even though it says on the, the label that it's in English <laughs> it's actually in the original language it's just it's, it's just a, crazy and it's I've, I've been I've been putting off watching it on there for ages because like oh, I don't want to watch that in some sort of terrible English stuff but it turns out that actually it's I know and, it's, <laughs> and, and they describe it helpfully as uh, the usual suspects meets the fight club <laughs> and it's worth, it worth pointing that they capitalise the in fight club it meets the fight club so is yeah, this which is not is this, the, it's not the same film. It's as not Fight the Club. same film. It's some other it's a thing. Different with, film, yeah. Which is probably like One Arm Boxer. <laughs> 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 They've just renamed the fucking thing. It's just, oh, it's so insane. Like finding these films or what they do with them on there. Oh, anyway, um, last one to mention on Shudder, uh, Zombie for Sale. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. It's a great one. Be floating around for a while. So Shudder's Shudder's got like a really good lineup of like Korean stuff. So. So it seems like a nice place for it to land. So yeah. there you go, lots of stuff arriving. Mm. So you know, I think you've got uh, at least one film for us, which is oh yeah, De- Demon Slayer. Yeah. Oh, do you want to give us the full okay. title? Yeah. Because I'm oh, the, the only film I've seen with with two. What do you call the two dots? Is that some ellipses? What is it? <laughs> Colon, semicolon. <laughs> No, the two dots. Umlauts or something. Oh, umlauts. <laughs> no, no, no. That's umlauts. Just... Maybe it's oh. a colon. No. No. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, 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 uh. Um, yeah, so it has two of the, it has four dots. It is <laughs> Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, the movie, Mugen. Uh, okay. So it's Demon wow. Slayer, then Demon Slayer catchy, in Japanese. It's very catchy, isn't it? <laughs> the movie. <laughs> it's very catchy, but it is the highest rated film. In, yeah, that's right. In, uh, yeah. in Japan, yeah. isn't it? And it's, and it's the success is rolling on to other territories as well. Mm. So it's the third highest grossing film in the US, highest Japanese grossing film in the US, which wow. doesn't sound like okay. much, but the first two are Pokemon, which is like unattainable. Yeah, and Pokemon's Pokemon's been out for decades, and yeah. Demon Slayer's been out for two years. That's quite um, cool. But what is, I mean, 
I, I was saying Tell us a bit about the uh, demon because yeah, it comes I'm from a TV series. I'm interested to know what it is. You have so to forgive. <laughs> is, uh, so the writer was having a lot of trouble because everything he produced was too complex for audiences and he just wasn't getting anything picked up. So his editor was like, do something very simple, very mm. understandable, huge Japanese themes. Mm. And then Demon Slayer appeared, which was like this very classic folkloric tale. Is it what, sorry, was it a manga first or anime or what was It was the... a manga for, oh, but yeah, not for okay. long, for like two, three years before it got picked up, which okay. for manga is even pretty early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's a very classic tale, like man versus demons essentially, but done with probably the best audio and visuals I've ever okay. seen in anime. Wow, okay. okay. Short of like Otomo and Miyazaki. It's like, quite high praise. <laughs> well, it's, it's not even, I mean, the, the writing isn't that great, to be honest. Mm, okay. I think they're just pumping so much money into this now. I mean, it's an IMAX. When do you get to wow. watch you know, okay. anime and okay. IMAX? But that's for yeah, a reason. Yeah. It's, the quality is probably unparalleled in current anime. Mm-hmm. Mm. The story's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think it's been such a huge success then? Because I've heard, you know, Demon Slayer being talked about and stuff. But yeah, I was really surprised when I read how, just how big a, I guess, phenomenon you could call this. And if it's getting this proper, you know, rollout in in international territories, you know, for outside of those animes like Your Name and stuff, which... Yeah, I don't personally like because it's just still too many panty shots and everything. But you know, for this one and everything, <laughs> for like, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just too creepy for me. I'm not that kind of. Anyway, but you know, it's for this one as well. It, it seem you get quite a lot of other animes just talking about Netflix and stuff, which appear on there, which seem to be whether it's about like demons or monsters or something, which is to be honest, just kind of seems much of a muchness. So I'm just really interested. That this one seems to have stunned up both in Japan, but then getting this international rollout. And from what you're saying, I, I, not being a massive fan of this stuff, it sounds like it would be worth still checking out in the big screen. Yeah, going into IMAX and sitting next to a speaker, it was, <laughs> like, it was unbelievable. I, I still can't believe it. When I watched the series, I, I watched with headphones, and I never do that, but just so I can get the full brunt of the, of the audio. Mm. But, but I think that the success truly speaks to, whenever you, you ask a genius to go mainstream, you okay. end up with these amazing successes because he's like, mm. okay, I'll dumb it down. I'll make it more yeah. appealing to more people. But he's still a genius. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's, it bleeds through somehow. I mean, it's the most common story you've ever read, but <laughs> never done as well. I, yeah. I, that's the only way I could explain it without spoiling things. I can't yeah. even tell you the first episode without spoiling things, but... Okay, so, so it's a, a manga. Is it an anime series as well as a film? You can't yeah. watch the film without the series, I'd say. Uh, that, was, that was my next question. Yeah, so that not, was going to be mine as well. I'm not going Unless to you just appreciate the lyrics. visuals <laughs> and the audio. <laughs> so I can't. Well, there's no point to watch it. Then. But I guess, I mean, the series must have been really successful for people to be yeah. watching the cinema to see it. Though. I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but also very generic. I don't know. It's like you're kind of selling it, but you're telling us to stay away it's at the a, same time. It's a backhanded compliment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's unbelievably like generic. Damning with fake praise. It's kind of like Inception was done a million times before. And it was still pish. It was still awesome because it looked so good. It was terrible. It's a terrible film. <laughs> but it looked good and it sounded good. No, Tom Hardy sounded good. No one else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be used to you. <laughs> <laughs> we we are Tom Hardy fans exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but one one other pick. Exception's terrible. If I get one other pick, of course. Uh, yeah, of course. On Amazon, I've been mm. doing this my Stephen Chow backlog. 
Okay, yep. cool, cool. Yep. And on Amazon, they have Out of the Dark. Ah, which yes. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shaw Brothers one. The Professional, I think. But also yeah. a parody of like Hong Kong ghost films, which are already mm-hmm. parody. Yeah. Kind of. And yeah, it's, it's a Shaw Brothers one as well. Yeah, it is hilarious. Weird. I. I always film. watch the big Chow films, Kung Fu mm, Hustle mm, and uh, Shaolin Soccer, but the great stuff is the unknowns. Mm. Like, uh, I saw God of Cookery for the first oh, time. I, I think God of Cookery is my favorite one. That's yeah. my it's favorite hilarious. Chow one. Just... And then uh, I'm trying to find Justice My Foot. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, it's on Netflix, yeah. That, that, is, a, that is an excellent film. That's my next one. So my, the Stephen Chow backlog has been unbelievable. He's, he's, I think he's one of my favorite directors now. He's such a good director. Mm. I, I don't... You know, we could do another episode about him sometime. Um, but it's just, it's so interesting that, he, you know, for somebody who's so, like, commercially loved, both yeah. everywhere, like in the East and West, or, you know, from Hong Kong to mainland China, as you know, it's stuff like Mermaid showed that making this kind of, oh, yeah. the confidence to shift to directing stuff he doesn't actually appear in mm. is quite an interesting thing because it's, his films where he doesn't appear, they, they still have his character in them even when he's not there, so... Let's next time he does. Next time we get a proper Stephen Chow release, uh, Kung Fu Hustle Two, I guess. Uh, yeah, we could do a podcast on him and stuff. There, but uh, but you know, Out of the Dark is a really good film, uh, and it's one of the, I came yeah. to that much later as well because it is. Mm. It was not really well talked about, and even like in those early wasn't, days, it wasn't necess- a lot of these films. Um, it, it took a while for them for us to be able to access them as well. Absolutely, it? yeah. You know, to 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 come out of a, a decent DVD release or. Yeah, whatever. But, you know, or some some of those like uh, I think Justin My Foot is another Shaw Brothers one as well. But oh, you know, that okay. was um, mm. you know it, it did come out of the back end of the Celestial picking up the Shaw Brothers mm, catalog true, and true. those out. Yeah. So we yeah we the, the, and there's so many of them and they're all everyone I've seen is yeah <laughs> worth checking out <laughs> definitely. And I didn't realize he was a blind spot and now I'm realizing he's an enormous blind spot. And it's one of those rare ones which you can find on Amazon in a proper version. <laughs> not yeah. some mad pan, you know cropped pandas kind English dub 20 minutes missing version. So that's it for now. Don't forget that uh, you can find all of our previous episodes on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. Uh, thanks to Yona for joining us for this episode. Thank and you, we'll yeah. get you on again very soon. I hope so. But for now, there's nothing more to say than cheers. Cheers. Here's to you guys. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh, this grapefruit is giving me heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> un- un- to be honest, unsurprisingly, I should have seen that one coming.